if you want to stay in the same situation, then continue doing what you're doing. And you guys can get on board and go down this four-lane highway and just rock it out, and you don't have to have a decade of learning process. Meet people where they are. If you want to have all types of clients, be a Rubik's Cube. Meet them where they want to be met. We have to know our numbers. We have to know how much we want, and then what, how many deals do I have to close to make that a reality? What I want to do over the next half hour or so is give you clarity on the items that really are going to generate money for you and allow you to do the things you want to do. So if you're not currently being coached by the people in the industry that are doing it at the highest level, then you're working too hard to get there. This is the Next Level Loan Officers Podcast with Kenneth Travis and Sean Zamanoff. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this edition of Next Level Loan Officers Podcast. I am Sean Zalmanoff, and we are joined by Kelly Marsh, Cornerstone Home Lending. Kelly, how are you today? I'm great. Thank you for having me. So we were just discussing uh, the beautiful weather here in St. Louis and, uh, and, and the weather that you're suffering through today in Santa Barbara, California. Yes. Yes, it's rainy. It's rainy. We're getting lots of rain in California. You're getting lots of rain. Yeah, that's uh, it's kind of mudslide season uh, this yeah. time. Yeah. Unfortunately yeah. for you all. So Kelly, you've been in the business. You were telling me since 1997, correct? Yes, 97. I was a baby. You you were. So you started when you were 12, seven. <laughs> I actually got my. I closed my first loan when I was 21. Nice. So do the math. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> fast forward 20-ish years now, and uh, you have a, a pretty amazing business. You have closed, uh, in the last five years, about $500 million in loans. Is that correct? Um, I would say, yes, at least 500 if not more than that. Yes. What, um, so, so, tell us about when you got started in 1997, because I know that all of us wake up one day and we're like, you know, I want to be in the mortgage business. Um, mm -hmm. so, so how did that start for you? When did that bell go off that you knew this was your destiny? I mean, I think it was somewhat luck. Um, I was in San Francisco going to college. I moved back. I reunited with a boyfriend from high school and his family were mortgage bankers. And I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. I was really into numbers. I was really into people. I was thinking accounting. They said, you'd be really good. You should get your license. And back then it was our real estate license that we had to get. And so I said, okay. I went in, got my license and I started, you know, talking to family and friends and started going out to real estate offices and just slowly built my business that way. And I was 21. You were 21. You built mm -hmm. it by, by knocking doors, making friends. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and learning, you know, um, really dump, jumping into the trenches and learning how to do a loan from, you know, origination to closing and really understanding the processing. I didn't have a processor. I didn't have an assistant. I, I learned how to put together a file from start to finish, which I think was actually the school of hard knocks was probably some of the best, um, you know, experience that I got. So did you start in uh, the purchase side of the business or were you doing mainly refis or how did that work when, uh, when you were 21 years old starting out in the business? 
I really started by probably doing, I mean, that was so long ago, doing a couple refis and then slowly developing relationships with the real estate community and then doing more purchase business. But it took time. I mean, it definitely doesn't just happen overnight. I remember I had like an ad in the paper and it was, you know, one of those old school ads about rates and call me. And it was, you know, just taking calls and trying to really establish that connection and trust. So 22 years later now, mm-hmm. you, uh, you've closed a few loans since then. What are the keys to your success? First of all, like what has been the difference in the longevity that you've had from the other people that you saw in 1997 and the early 2000s? I mean, gosh, in the early 2000s, it was easy. Rates you know, unfortunately, due to some circumstances, plummeted and, and business was easy. Then we've had several ups and downs since then. What has, what's been the secret to you having an amazing career? I would say the secret really has been the power of a face-to-face client conversation. Um, I'm a huge fan of meeting clients face-to-face. And I believe that's where we truly connect and establish trust with clients. And if I look back, I just naturally felt like the way to do, why wouldn't I meet with someone in a face-to-face consult? Um, I've really perfected my client meeting. I've narrowed it down. I am more prepared when they come in. I've reviewed their docs. So I've really done a lot of work to my face-to-face meeting. But by far, it's that client connection where they come in, you educate, guide, and at the end of the day, you truly connect with them and establish trust. That carries that client relationship through for the future, for repeat business, referrals of their family and friends. It's, it's the key to my success in my, my mind. So you've perfected the client meeting. That is so important for everyone to hear. It doesn't matter if you're in St. Louis, Missouri with, with our loan sizes or in a rural community with, with smaller loan sizes or in Santa Barbara, which I'm sure you're blessed with a, a little bit higher loan sizes. But again, they're stiff for competition when you get up in, in those loan sizes as well too. But so many of us as loan officers and salespeople, we practice on the playing field. We practice in front of the clients. And we make too much money during a transaction to, to practice in front of the clients. And it sounds like you have a process that you didn't practice until you got it right. You have it practiced so well that you can't get it wrong anymore. And I mean, I'm always looking at ways that I can improve it. I incorporated mortgage coach into my business a year and a half ago. So now I incorporate mortgage coach into my face-to-face client presentation that's evolved. You know, three years ago, I didn't have mortgage coach. We didn't go through that. So I'm always looking at ways. How can I be better for that client? How can that client walk away and feel more educated, more formed and more connected to me? But by having the process and the system that you have in place, it's easy to insert or remove those things versus just winging it that unfortunately some of us do every time. Mm-hmm. So what else have you done inside of your business that that you've perfected or that you have those processes that have just been big keys to your success? And I just mentioned Mortgage Coach. I think having a really robust, thorough client presentation software is key. I think it's where we up-level our 
our presentation, our advice. I, I'm a big believer in it. Um, Dave Savage is, is, you know, finally he got me as a client. And when I never look back, the moment I started it, it's just, it is such an up-level client presentation than anything else. I know there's other softwares, so there's some really good other softwares for client presentations. I just happen to use Mortgage Coach, and I think um, it's our duty as loan originators to be able to present the right scenarios and give a client all the tools to make the best decisions. Yeah, and that's, next, that's, that's one of the tools for sure. Yeah, at Next Level, we're both we're, we're huge supporters of Mortgage Coach and MBS Highway. Uh, they're both mm -hmm. great softwares. Uh, to use. Uh, they both have a little bit different things. I mean, truthfully, Mortgage Coach, uh, the appearance is a little bit sexier than what MBS Highway has right now. They're continually upgrading, but the they're both awesome, awesome products. And just the interactiveness and ease of use. Plus, if you have two offers that are the same when a client looks at them and they're pulling up Lender A's crappy PDF, and they're pulling up very interactive software that pops up with a video of you speaking. Like, it, it's just, it's the difference in them saying, wow, Kelly's got it together. And this is the kind of service I want. And I feel this is what I'm going to get down the road versus cool, a PDF that just, that just isn't personal. Um, technology's just been huge and it's, it's revolutionizing our world. What, what other technologies are you using inside of your business right now? Um, technologies, we have a great robust um, CRM through Salesforce. I think CRMs are crucial. I would say if I had any advice of the mistake not to make would be not to get on a CRM, um, not to have a really, you know, metrics measuring, pull through, uh, rate alerts, stuff like that. So CRM, I think, is crucial um, for a lot of different reasons. Um, and I think now in today's world with technology, it's crazy to think that people don't have a CRM and they don't have a database. I mean, I was just talking to our, one of our regionals and she said, most of the recruits coming on don't even have a database. I, that shocked me. I mean, I might've been sloppy and not having a CRM in my prior years. And this is one of my regrets or pieces of advice, but to not have a database, not to have a client mailing list, that is crucial. I mean, that's the majority of my business is past clients. So a CRM, it doesn't have to be fancy, but a CRM, there's yeah. lots out there. I mean, gosh, it, it can start with a simple Excel spreadsheet so you know where people are. Um, if y'all are looking for something super cheap on the call, uh, you know, Pipedrive is like an online upgraded Excel spreadsheet, uh, or you can go all the way to something like Salesforce. But, you know, it's the old adage of the best CRM is the one that you use, and that uh, yeah. definitely pays dividends. So I know that you've talked about uh, your world-class borrower experience. What mm -hmm. does that look like uh, from start to finish? Or what are the key pieces that separate what you deliver from Joe Lender down the street right now? Um, well, we have a very conveyor belt concept here at my office. I really invest a lot of time and energy in team. Um, my team is my number one client. So you have to have a world-class team in order to have a world-class client experience. So that's step one, making sure you have a world-class team. It doesn't have to be directly your assistant, but you have to be aligned with a company that has a very strong process, number one. Um, so personally, I have invested a lot of time and energy and money into a world-class team. 
um, then that gives you the foundation to create the world-class client experience. Um, it starts with the, you know, from the initial phone call, um, they are going to call in, they're going to get um, my loan partner, Chelsea. Chelsea's going to explain to them the process, talk to them about um, their goals, dreams, what is it they're looking for, and explain to them how the next steps are going to work. So it's very clear. Um, we don't let the client lead the conversation. Obviously, we're listening to the client's answers in terms of what their goals and dreams are, but we're not letting the client tell us how they want to get started. We're telling them this is how it, how it works. Um, we have them send in their paperwork, start the application. We have a really awesome online app and a really great secure borrower portal. So they're going to do all of that ahead of meeting with me. So then they're going to schedule a time to meet with me. So that's really kind of where we kick it off on the front end. Um, by the time they leave that, that meeting, they know exactly where they stand. Um, they have written mortgage coach analysis. I send it to them electronically. Um, we really tee them up for success. Um, and then we have several different touches during the process from the time I meet with them. We send them, I, I, don't, I think it's like five or six different touches, um, small little gifts. They're really classy. Um, you don't have to spend a lot of money on this, but you just, it, it's those touches from also coming into the office and seeing a really clean, beautiful, boutique type office, organized, the people are friendly, we have a drink menu. I mean, I get comments on it all the time, like, wow, this is really awesome. So it's, it's that kind of four seasons touch. If you think about going into a really awesome hotel, versus going into, you know, a less awesome hotel, what is the feeling that you get when you're there? And so we want to make sure we, we carry that, that feeling a client's going to have um, every step of the way, even past closing. So we do send several little gifts, um, thank you notes. Uh, we're very transparent in our process of where they're at. So we do have eight different status notifications that go out automatically that are tied to our loan software. So they're getting updated along with their real estate agent of where they are, appraisals been ordered. I mean, a lot of the softwares now do have those milestone notifications. So highly recommend that you implement those into your process. Are you doing that with video notifications or just a, a standard email? Uh, there are two videos embedded into the eight, so two out of the eight have videos. The first is, um, you know, we're getting started. It's when they become an application and it explains to them the process, um, what's going to happen from here. Um, and then the appraisal notification is also a video that explains how an appraisal works and all that. Um, at the very end, the congrats on funding. Um, I do look at improving that and having that be me, a video specifically from me. I have yet to incorporate that. We also incorporate in um, Sly broadcast twice in the process. So I am a big believer in, as a loan originator, we need to stay out of the weeds. Let your processing team do their job and don't be the kid with the stick that comes by and pokes the beehive and pisses off all the bees. So loan officers are notorious for that. <laughs> so don't get in the weeds. So you can stay surface level helicopter view. Um, I can't do the volume and lead my team and lead loan officers and grow branches if I'm in the weeds. 
Um, so I do incorporate slide broadcasts in two, two different times during the process. You're speaking so much of our language and what we teach our coaching clients at Next Level. It's refreshing to hear uh, somebody with their process so well dialed in. I do have a question for you. So if you have a client who comes in and they're like, no, that's not the way that I want to do it. I, I, I'm not going to bring, I'm not going to do this in advance. I'm not going to go apply online. I'm not going to do these things. What, uh, what do you do? Um, there are, there are certain clients. I mean, I would say it's rare. It has happened less and less now. Um, a, we have to first coach our referral sources on how our process works. Um, but let's say we have a client that just wants to come in and sit down and talk to me. Yes. It's not like I'm going to be closed door. I'll schedule a quick, you know, 15, 20 minute meeting with them to kind of just go over. I would ideally do that with a phone meeting. I just did that with a client where he wasn't quite ready to start the application and send in docs. So um, I, I scheduled a phone a slot for him. We chatted, you know, kind of established some of the trust and, and his concerns over the phone. And then I'm going to go right back to here's the next step for us to start. I will say when a client tries to lead the process, it it shakes up the whole process the whole way. It, it throws, it's like, again, the conveyor belt. So you have the conveyor belt and you have someone that's trying to throw off the conveyor belt. It's kind of jacked up the whole time. It, it, it is. I was just curious how you handle it because one of the things that I hear loan officers talk about often is trying to be all things to all people. And nope. exactly like you said, if they don't go and follow your process, if they don't follow our process and the way that we have it laid out, it messes everything up. And one of the most powerful and freeing things that, that we can do as salespeople is just telling people when they're not the right fit. And saying, you know, I think you're going to be better off going to a different lender. This is the way that we do things. It's a 10 level experience. You're not going to find better service out here, but it's because of the way that we've developed our process and loan officers are probably, there's probably loan officers rolling in their grave. They're hearing that statement come out of my mouth right now, but it, it just sets us up better for success. And then when that happens, we pick up the phone and call the realtor. Hey, listen, I really appreciate you for referring Jim over, but you know what? It's not a great fit. And I want to make sure I deliver on everything that we always deliver on. And, you know, it's a freeing experience when you do that. And when you call an agent afterwards with that kind of conversation, it actually usually strengthens the bonds more than it, uh, than it takes away from that. What I found too. I haven't, I can't remember. There has been times in the past that a client calls and they don't want to speak to my assistant. Um, that's always a red flag. Um, and Chelsea's my loan partner. She's not my loan assistant. She's a licensed, um, LO and she sets us up for success. She really connects with the client. So that's always a red flag. If someone's going to call and say, well, I'm not going to speak to your assistant or I don't want to work with anyone else but you. First of all, I know where I'm good. I am not good as a processor. So I wouldn't be serving you, Mr. Client, if you have me processing your loan. That's not the best use of my time. And so I haven't, I haven't had to have that conversation in a really long time. Um, but I, I, I'm willing to bend the rules a little bit to accommodate if a client wants to talk to me. Let's say they're kind of nervous. I'll talk to them on the phone. I ideally try not to schedule that face-to-face, -face, but I will if need be. Depends on who the referral source is. 
it depends on kind of what the client's sounding like. Are they respectful? You know, we're going to, we're going to somewhat adjust, but we're not going to completely let the client rule because we know how that goes. Well, so, something that we say all the time when, when somebody's like, I just want to deal with you. It's like, well, if you call me to ask about this, I'm going to pick up the phone and I'm going to ask my processor. I'm going to ask my partner. So this is why we have this amazing team set up to serve you best. So, so we talked about the successes and talked about how great everything is now with, uh, with your process being dialed in over the last uh, several decades. So, so let's peel it back a little bit. Like where were the, it wasn't always, you know, this easy. Where were the times in your career that you struggled? What, what were challenges that you had? And, you know, some of the most difficult situations or, or time periods that you had to overcome, Kelly? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think I would say um, probably one of the more difficult recent times that, that stands out in my mind was transitioning my team to Cornerstone Home Lending. I left um, the company I was with of 10 years and really my team having that trust in me to say, Kelly, I know, I trust you, I'm scared, but you're making us change employers, you're making us change health benefits. And so really having that, you know, fear of did I make the right decision and going through that transition period, which is tough having to learn all new software, having your team have to learn all new software, people developing relationships with their now support team and ops. Um, so that was probably the most difficult recent, um, but the best, you know, in, in one, one other hand, it was the best decision to really align myself with a company where I, I can grow and have the products and technologies that we need to have in today's world. What do I know? Is there anything that you can look back on early on in your career? You know, one of the things that I think makes a lot of top producers great is the how you started in the business. You know, you half processed your files, if not all the way. You were gathering all your docs. You know how to calculate a tax return. You you can dissect the file should you uh, should you need to. And when like was there any difficulty when you started transitioning into a team and growing uh, what any struggles or hurdles that you had at that time or was the great recession a huge challenge for you or is it was there any other things that loan offices who aren't quite a, a top 100 originator in the country right now can uh, can understand some things on what they can do to get to your level I would say it's you know, slow and steady and consistent, you know, really make sure you have a foundation behind you, including investing in yourself, um, investing in yourself in coaching, uh, going to uh, hop on to all the webinars, all the mortgage insurance companies do all the webinars in regards to tax return analysis. You know, you need to be a student and you need to be open to growth in internally. And so I was blessed to really fall in love with coaching many, many years ago and been involved in various masterminds, some small private masterminds, some organized mastermind groups, um, coaching seminars, all of that. And so I don't know that I'm directly answering your question, but I'm really passionate about investing in yourself as a loan originator. And it doesn't have to be 
twenty, thirty thousand dollars if you're not at that level, it can be smaller amounts. There's a lot of free services. Just making sure that you are educated and knowledgeable enough to take on the role of advising your client. Um, you know, really establishing true connections in the in the community. Hop on a board. Get on a board that you're passionate about. You know, if your intention is to truly help people and, you know, be passionate about something, you know, you're passionate about something and you join a board. You're joining the board because you're passionate about something. You're not joining the board because you want to get business. If your agenda is always, I'm doing this only because I want to get business, people will pick up on that energy. You have to be authentic and true and that's what's attractive to people when you start going out there to grow your business. Just really just staying authentic, grow, you know, investing in yourself as a person in your business. I mean, that's probably, I, I don't even remember your question, but those are my two biggest pieces. Be authentic and invest in yourself. No, those are, that, that was actually a, a great answer. And I mean, if you're just going to take away some points or go back and re-listen to this, you know, Kelly's talking about, being a student, being open to learning new things. And if you heard what she has said over and over again, Kelly has systems and processes in place. She could literally just go set her manual on somebody's desk. Now it wouldn't be Kelly, but somebody else could step right into her position and run the systems because they're in place. And, and as we grow and things change and mortgage coach and other technologies come in, you can add those things in. Because when you don't have an A to Z procedure in place and something messes up during your process, it's really hard to fix it. But when you do and somebody throws you that curveball, you know it was that line item G and this is where we need to go tweak something to make it a little bit better. And at that point, it's only tweaks. It's not complete overhaul. So you've given us a ton of great advice today, Kelly. I appreciate it. Hey, if somebody wanted to reach out to you, uh, how would they do that? They can call me. They can email me. I'm really great. We didn't even touch on Outlook and how important I believe Outlook and email rules and calendar management, time management. My calendar and Outlook rule my day in a good way. Um, so email would be a great way. I'm very quick. I try to do zero inbox daily. And my email is kmarsh at houseloan.com. You can look me up online and find me that way, LinkedIn, my website, you can search for me and you will find me. Awesome. Well, Kelly, thank you for joining us. All of our listeners and watcher, or watchers, we appreciate you as well too. Uh, don't forget to download our app to continue the conversation and to hear more of these fantastic podcasts. All you have to do is text next level to 36260 and uh, we'll see you on the next one. Thank you all.